Welcome to the podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled "The Hindrances to Our Prayers," from James chapter four, verses one through six. Way the Bible urges us not to do that, not to pray to be seen, not to be like the Pharisees who just pray. Jesus urges us not to pray from just rote or or or. or an abundance of words thinking because we just you know spew a bunch of words out before God that means we're going to be effective in prayer no Jesus urges us to pray earnestly from the heart and one thing that helps that is doing it in private that way you know the only audience is God right you're not going to impress your neighbor when you have your private private prayer time God is the one whose attention you seek. I love the little line that the Bible gives us later in James in chapter 5. He talks about Elijah and he says he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Prayed earnestly. The literal word in the Greek is he prayed in his praying. I like that. He prayed in his praying. He didn't just say prayers. He prayed. Amen. There's a phrase. I know what we mean by it, but I've always disliked it as a pastor. Well, I'm going to say my prayers. Don't say prayers. Pray. (laughs) In my mind, saying a prayer sort of means I'm going to come before God with this prefab thing that I always say, and I'm just going to recite that to God. Well, if your heart's in it, it's fine to use somebody else's words. We do it when we pray the Psalms all the time, right? There's nothing wrong with that. We use the Lord's Prayer that way. Nothing wrong with it. But don't just say the prayer. Pray the prayer. And the difference is the sincerity of my heart. Is my heart in it? Do I mean the words or am I just saying the words? I have to pray in my praying. Praying. Sometimes we pray vague, general, non-specific prayers. You know what? I think we're so afraid of God not answering that we let God off the hook by not asking for anything in particular. Have you ever heard somebody pray and at the end of the prayer you knew it was beautiful but you didn't have one clue what they'd really ask God to do? Have you ever prayed a prayer where you gave God so much open-ended latitude you wouldn't know if he answered the prayer or not? Well, Lord, I really want you to do this, but if you do this, that'd be okay too. And God, at the end of the day, just do whatever you want to do. How do you know if God answered that or not? Amen. That's so wide open. That's a shotgun prayer. We need to pray some rifle prayers. Amen. Where we aim at the target and we ask God, Lord, we want you to do this. And then step back and watch what God does. Amen. You know, God's not intimidated by that. God is not intimidated by that. God would rather we ask specifically and largely. Amen. Big prayers honor God because God is a big God, Mark Batterson said. Our little prayers are an insult to him. God doesn't need us to create him an exit, and God doesn't need us to let him off the hook. Amen? God needs us to believe him in prayer for what we're asking him for. Somebody say amen. Amen. Doubt and unbelief. Not stepping out in confidence, not doing our part. Sometimes we ask God to do something, and then we act like he isn't going to do it. (laughs) Amen? That doesn't work. That is a lack of faith. That's doubt and unbelief. All right? Let's move on. Number two, a second thing that can hinder my prayers from getting answered. Number one, doubt and unbelief. Number two, unrepentant sin. Oh, I knew the preacher was going to say, if you don't get your prayer answered, there must be sin in your life. That's not always the case, but if there is sin in your life, reassured, it will most certainly hinder your prayer life. Amen? It will. The Bible is clear on it. The Word of God tells us here. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I mean, how much plainer can you say it than that, right? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What does it mean to regard iniquity? Now, notice what I did not say. David did not say, 
Because you stumbled, because you've committed a sin, because you have fallen in a moment of weakness, God's not going to hear your prayer. That's not what David said. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, regard iniquity. Let's, t- let's unpack that. Iniquity. Say iniquity. The word iniquity in the Old Testament means a crooked place, a twisted place. If there is something in my character that is not right, there's a place in me that's crooked or twisted or not what it ought to be, some area of my heart that just isn't right, there's a streak in me of something that displeases and dishonors God. Okay, so that's what he's talking about, iniquity. He's not talking about just, I fell in a moment of weakness and committed a single act of sin, therefore God's not going to hear me when I pray. He didn't say that. He's talking about areas of life that you know about, and they're things that are they're ongoing. They're, they're a fault. They're a flaw in your character, and the Holy Spirit has drawn your attention to it, and you won't do anything about it. An area that you keep holding on to, even though you've been convicted and confronted by the Scripture and the Holy Ghost. The second word I want you to use is regard. Say regard. If I regard iniquity in my heart. In other words, if I regard it, if I honor that, if I, if I give that a safe place, if there's an area of my character that the Holy Spirit keeps calling me on and I keep holding that back from Him and saying, I'm not going to let you address this. I'm not going to deal with this. That's what it means to regard iniquity. It's an ongoing issue. God has spoken to you about it multiple times and you keep on making excuses and won't do anything about it and let him heal you in that area. If you've got an area like that in your life, God will not hear your prayers. Is that clear enough? I didn't say you dropped a brick on your toe and said a dirty word and therefore God's not going to hear you all week. I didn't say that. You need to repent of the dirty word and the anger that prompted it. Amen? Get that under the blood. Get right with God. That's not regarding iniquity in your heart. Regarding iniquity in your heart is there's an area of your life that you're holding on to and the Holy Spirit's spoken to you about it and you just stubbornly won't deal with it. If I'm holding on to something like that, it'll hinder my prayer life. It'll hinder my relationship with God. The Holy Spirit's not going to, he's not going to abide in that. I'm not going to have peace with God. I'm not going to have, one of the reasons it'll hinder your prayers is this. You won't have any confidence in praying. Anytime my relationship with God is not clear, anytime there's something in between me and God, it robs me of all confidence to pray. Have you noticed that? If you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong, the last thing you feel like doing is appearing before God in prayer. Most of the time, if we regard iniquity in our heart, we quit praying anyway. Because we don't want to be in God's presence. Because we know the first thing he's going to say is, we'll talk about that in a moment. But before we move on, I'm going to address this issue in your life. Amen? How many of you know it's hard It's, it's hard to have a fight with your mom and dad and then walk in and ask them for 20 bucks, right? That conversation just doesn't usually go real far. Doesn't go with God either. We have to deal with the break in our relationship with him. And so unrepentant sin, it will slow down, it will hinder our prayer life. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We must be in right standing with God, have our sins under the blood, deal honestly with our failures before God. And if we do, God will hear our prayer. Amen? Number three, God's will. Let's talk about this one. This is a thorny one. Because we often get hung up here. 
uh, I, I, I hesitate to mention this one because sometimes I believe this becomes one of the ways we let God off the hook too easily. Well, I prayed and it didn't happen, so it must not be God's will. Not so fast. We'll talk about that a little later tonight in just a moment. I'm going to end with that issue, but let me, let me press on this. I don't, I, I don't think we get off that easily, but are there times we're praying for something that we really want and it just isn't what God wants to do? I believe that. I believe that's what I read about a moment ago in James. James said sometimes we ask amiss and because we want something God doesn't want us to have or we want it for the wrong reasons and God says, I'm not giving you that so that you can do that with it. Sort of like our children. A full-grown child who works in his father's business, Andrew Murray said, can come to his father and ask for a large amount and the father will give him what he asked for. Why? Because he knows he's going to use it properly and he's going to use it in his father's business. And yet a child would come and ask for the same amount to go buy a toy and spend it frivolously and the father would say, no, I won't give you that. Amen? If I went and asked God for $100,000, Daniel, why do you want $100,000? Because we want to go on the biggest vacation we've ever been on. God's going to say, no. And yet if I went before God and said, God, I need $100,000 because this is the project that we want to do to advance the kingdom of God and to spread the gospel and to minister to people who are broken and needy. You know what God would probably say? Son, I'll help you raise every dime of that $100,000. let us go get your money. See the difference? The motive is the difference. It's not that the amount is in or out of God's will, but often what am I planning to do with what God's going to give me? We can ask amiss. We can ask for selfish motives. Sometimes our flesh wants something and our spirit knows better that we shouldn't be asking for that. Even Jesus bumped into this to some degree. Remember in the garden? Jesus bumped into this where his, his, in, in his humanity, Jesus didn't want to die and go to the cross. And so he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But quickly he rallied and, he, and his spirit rose up and said, yet not what I will, but what thou will. Let your will be done. Jesus taught us to pray this, didn't he? In the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, pastor, how do we know if something is God's will? The general way we know it is this book right here. This is God's will. God's word is God's will. Say that with me. God's word is God's will. If the Bible says that something, it belongs to me, then it belongs to me. God has given it to me. And this word will, I want to use it in a different way for a moment. You know, whenever somebody dies, they leave a will, right? Their last will and testament. Well, I want to tell you tonight, Jesus died on the cross and he left you a testament. He left you a will. He left you an inheritance. And the word of God tells us there are some things that belong to us and we can rightly expect to receive them and enjoy them and walk in them. Amen? And so when you've got God's word on it, you've got God's will on it. And you can pray in confidence that God wants you to have that. I've had people say to me, well, pastor, I've sought for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I haven't received yet. It must not be God's will for me. I've had people tell me that. Well, I asked God one time that if he wanted me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, that I would, and I didn't, so it must not be God's will for me. Hogwash. The Word of God is the will of God. And God said in Acts 2.39, this promise of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and them that are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you've been called to salvation, God has promised you that he'd baptize you in the Holy Ghost. 
Stand in faith and believe God for it. I asked God one time. Oh, come on, one time. Some of you ask your wife more than that times to marry you. You were more persistent when you really wanted something. Some of you asked that woman on your arm out three or four times to even get the first date. And she said no. And finally she said yes. Amen. You'd be more persistent getting your date than you would getting the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Get in this altar and pray and seek God and tell God, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray and believe you until I receive what you promised me. Oh, it's quiet in the holiness church. Hmm. Sometimes we pray and we, we just don't stand in faith for it. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. First John chapter 5, he teaches us this. If I know it's God's word, I know it's God's will and I can pray in confidence for it. I, I often stand on this when I'm praying for my friends who are lost to be saved. Well, pastor, how can you pray so fervently for someone to be saved? Because I know it's God's will that they be saved. How do you know it's God's will for them to be saved? Because I have God's word on it. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He said in the Old Testament, I take no delight in the death of the wicked that they die. I have God's word to tell me it is not his will that any man, woman, boy, or girl go out into eternity lost and without God. And so I'm going to fall on my knees and I'm going to call the names of my lost friends and family members before God and I'm going to believe God to work in their life and do everything that he can on his side of the fence to bring them to salvation. And I can pray that prayer in faith and I can believe it because it's God's will, because it's God's word. Amen? So if you know God's word, then you know God's will. Now there are moments that we don't have clear direction on something. How many of you know the Bible's not going to give you clear direction on all the specific choices you have to make in your life? Wouldn't that be nice? Amen? Some of us try really hard, right? We take our Bible and we say, oh God, speak to me. I want you to speak to me. And we put our finger down, right? Oh, that can get you in a lot of trouble really quick. Amen? Some of us are about like uh, we want to go cast lots like they did in the Old Testament. Lord, I'm going to draw out of the hat. You tell me what to do. That's bad advice. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't need to draw something out of a hat. That's a bad way to do it. Amen? John Wesley, uh, early in his life, would cast lots when he had no clear way to go and, and not know what to do and couldn't seem to get an answer. He would cast, pray over the hat, put yes and no in the hat, pray over the hat, and draw out of the hat and do whatever that said. He would cast lots. Worst decision he ever made. He put yes and no in the hat about a woman, whether he was going to ask her to marry him or not. He drew out yes, married her, and they fought to the day he died. John Wesley was a great man. He did not excel as a husband, partly because, sadly, of the woman that he married. She beat him. She took a shoe and put it upside his head. He had a very rough marriage. No wonder he preached all over England, right? Who wants to come home when it's like that, right? <laughs> but I believe in my humble opinion here am I upbraiding John Wesley he'll whoop me when we get to heaven probably I think that was a bad way to make that decision you do not pick your spouse by casting lots or drawing yes or no out of a hat if you're that confused about it don't get married amen if you're in doubt don't do it if you're in doubt leave it out amen especially when it comes to that don't ever step in a mess like that that's a mistake 
When you don't know God's will, you pray, and then you follow God's principles. God may not always specifically tell you what to do, but oftentimes there are wise principles in God's word, and if you'll walk the way of wisdom, that will often lead you and tell you all you need to know about the choice that you need to make. Other times, we lay it before God and ask God to open doors and close doors for us. There are times, honestly, we make the best decision we know how to make after we've bathed it in prayer, and we step out and we go. And I want to tell you, I believe there are moments where God lays it back to us and says, you know what? Whichever way you want to go here is actually fine with me. These are both good choices. You pick the one that you want and I will bless you because you've sought my face. There are times that that's the way it is and that's okay. God allows us to make choices too, just like we allow our children to make choices, amen, within those boundaries. There are hidden things. There are sometimes we just don't know why God isn't doing this the way we're praying that he would do it. Sometimes later down the road we look back and see why he didn't do it like we asked him to. Sometimes we don't ever see or know the reason why. We just know that we prayed and we stood in faith and we pushed on it often for years and it didn't go like we wanted to. Pastor, can you explain that? No, I can't. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy, the things that are revealed belong to us. The things that are hidden belong to God. Can I tell you, there are some things that are just hidden. Say they're hidden. There are some things that are just hidden from our view in this life and we don't know and we don't get an answer this side of heaven. Now we say, well, I'll understand when I get to heaven. We sing by and by. We'll understand it better by and by. Well, if you want to ask God all those questions about why this and that, you go ahead. I have a different theology. It won't matter by and by. We won't care by and by. As soon as my feet strike Zion, I want to tell you I will forget about everything back here that ever bothered me. And I could not care less about why or wherefore. I'm just going to shout down the street when I get there. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to be glad I made it. And I'm not going to require God to explain anything to me. He doesn't owe me an explanation about anything. If I make it home, when I make it home, I won't want an explanation. I won't care about all those things I don't believe. Amen? Sometimes we pray out of God's will. Number four, sometimes it's other people's will. We often forget this in our praying, and this is another thorny area. Sometimes what we're praying about involves other people, and we forget that they have a say in how this goes as well. When I'm praying about my lost friends and family members, you know what? I believe if I'll pray, God will do everything on his side to bring them to salvation. But you know what? God will not save them against their will. And if they die and go to hell, it won't be because I didn't pray. And it won't be because God didn't draw their heart. And God didn't convict them. And God didn't pull on them. But can I tell you something? You can, you can resist God and end up losing out. You can resist the Holy Spirit, you can spurn him and push him away and you can reject the gospel and you can lose your soul. That's true. You can. Uh, Paul prayed for uh, Agrippa and stood before him and Agrippa says, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad the bitter well. Almost but lost. That man died lost if he didn't come back and receive the Jesus that Paul preached about. Sometimes other people's wills are involved. Our prayers can influence them, but God will not violate their free will. Jesus tells us this, right? Matthew 23 and 20, 37. 23, 37. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not 
willing. Jesus was willing. They were not willing. You hear me? There's some people that the reason we don't get see a lot of progress in their life is because honestly, at this point in their life, they're not willing. They're not willing. Jesus looked at the man and said, Do you want to get well? Not everybody does. And that may be hard for us to understand or grapple with, but some people aren't to the place in life where they're ready to change. They're not ready to change. And we can want them to change and we can pray for them to change, but until they hurt enough that they have to change or they get to a place where they know they don't have any choice but to change or they finally learn enough that they realize they need to change, nothing's going to happen for them. They have to come to the place where they desire God to do His will in their lives. And until they, now listen, my prayers can help that along. I can pray for God to move in their heart. I can pray for God to shift things in their circumstances. I can pray for God to do whatever he has to do to get their attention and shake them up and make them realize the road they're on is a dead end. Yes, we can pray for those things and often should pray for those things. We can pray that God would soften their heart. We can pray that God would, make, would give them a heart that's willing to hear and listen to us. God will do all those things. But God will not cross over that final boundary line of their free choice. They must choose to change and follow Jesus and go God's way. Other people's wills are involved here. And I want to tell you, sometimes they will not cooperate with our prayers. And that can be oh so frustrating. What do you do at that moment? Don't tie your joy to somebody else's decision. Don't tie your joy to somebody else's decision. Well, I can't be happy until they do thus and so. No, that's not true. You can be and you ought to be. Amen? I can't, my joy is tied to my relationship with Jesus, and I dare not tie it to anything or anybody else. Amen? To, to do that gives that person way too much power over my life. I'm just being honest with you. Some of us care too much what's, what the wrong people think, and we've got to tie our heart to our walk with Jesus, and then we can have joy and peace. Hell cannot hold heaven hostage, C.S. Lewis said. You hear me? Pastor? Don't you think we'll be sad when we get to heaven over those people who didn't make it? I don't know how God's going to do that. I don't think he's going to blot them out of our memory. But I believe that when I make it to heaven and I realize that at the end of the day, you know what? Everybody's where they want to be. Everybody's where they chose to be. Everybody is with the God that they chose to worship. Everybody has become who they decided to become. I believe at the end of the day, God's going to give us all peace that that is the way that it is. And we can have joy. Are you going to be able to go to heaven and have joy if you know that someone that you love did not make it? This may sound harsh, and I hope I'm not offensive to you. But yes, yes I will. Yes I will. I, I'm sorry that they didn't. I wish they would have made a different choice. But let me tell you something. I love you, and I'm going to do my best in this life to get you to heaven. But if you don't make it, again, I, I, this sounds harsh, but I want to tell you something. When I get there and I see him face to face, I love you, but I probably won't even be thinking about you in that moment. I'm going to be so caught up in the glory of who he is. I'm going to be so enamored and enthralled with being at the feet of Jesus that I just really don't believe in that moment there's going to be anything back here of earth that's going to be able to rob my joy or steal my pleasure in his presence in that moment. So if you think you're going to hold your mama captive forever by not trusting in Jesus, I want to tell you something. When she gets in the presence of Jesus, whether you make it or not, she's still going to be happy. So you might want to just come on and get saved because hell can't hold heaven hostage. It can't. Boy, that's a tangent, isn't it? Let's move on. God's will. 
Other people's will gets involved. We have to wrestle with that. Number five, bitterness and unforgiveness. There are times my prayers are hindered because I'm harboring something against another person. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their transgressions, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your transgressions. Matthew 6 and 15. The petition follows the Lord's prayer for daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The writer of Hebrews said, beware lest a bitter root would spring up and defile many. Unforgiveness is a sin and we cannot persist in sin and experience God's answer to prayer. I want to tell you, this can hinder us. This is tied very closely to number six. Let's deal with them together. Relational breaks. When we have breaks and damage in our relationship with other people, this can hinder our prayers. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and 7, Husbands, likewise dwell with your wives in an understanding way, giving honor to her as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. You hear that? Husband, you fight with your wife and you don't get it straight, it'll hinder your prayer life. Mm. Let's just dismiss and go to Wendy's right there. Isn't it? I didn't say it, but the Bible did. Unforgiveness, bitterness, broken relationships, these things affect us when we come into God's presence. Ephesians 4, he says, finally, all of you be of one mind, um, compassionate, have compassion for one another, loving as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing, 1 Peter 3 and 8. Uh, Ephesians 4, 25, be kind, tenderhearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. He tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, do not uh, give place to the devil. What is he talking about? By the feelings that we harbor and the attitude we have and the things we say to one another. What grieves God? The way we treat each other. Read Ephesians 4, verse 25 to 32, and you'll see it very clearly. When unwholesome words come out of my mouth, when I'm biting and stinging and condescending, when I'm tearing somebody else up with my tongue, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And when I step into God's presence, it will affect my prayer life. Again, look at it with your own children. Do you think that one of my children can be abusive to one of their siblings and then come ask me for something? You've lost your mind. I wouldn't give you a nickel that I found in the toilet right now. After the way you've treated your brother. No. No, I'm not giving you that. When you learn how to act, I might give you something. Right? How do you think God feels whenever we take pieces out of one another and then come ask him for something in prayer? No. No. God doesn't give great gifts to brats. <laughs> he doesn't. We have to deal with these things. As much as depends on you, Hebrews says... Live at peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. As much as depends on you. It doesn't all depend on you. You can only be responsible for your side of the fence. But you are responsible for your side of the fence. I have to deal with my part of the mess in my relationships. Do you hear me? I have to be willing to confront, honestly, try my best to clean up the part of this that is on me. I have to own it. I have to admit it. I have to go and make it right. Isn't this what Jesus said? If you're coming and you're offering your guilt of gift at the altar and you remember that someone has something against you, more important than you paying your tithes, Jesus said, go and make it right with that person. 
Go and make it right and then come back and offer your gift. If that's true of our gifts, how much more is it true of our prayers? Wow. Relational breaks. There are times we can't mend the relationship because the other person isn't willing to mend the fence. That's okay. You do what you can do. You do what you can do. You call them. You drop a card in the mail. If they won't take your call, you drive over and visit with them. If they'll see you and you sit down and say, look, I know there's tension here. I know there's some issues here. And for heaven's sakes, don't say if I said anything. Obviously, something's been said or it wouldn't be in a rip it, right? Don't give a backhanded apology. That's worse than not going at all. Honestly, with all your heart and with integrity, go and sit down and say, obviously, there is something that has happened here, and, 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 and part of it is on me. I know it is. Help me understand this. If you know of something that you said or did, own it and confess it and deal with it. And if you honestly don't know what it was, look them in the face and ask them and say, I am struggling to understand why we are on the outs. Honest to God, I don't know what I did to you. I really want to know because I don't like this. And I would never hurt you on purpose. And if, what did I do? Because I want to know because I want to get it right today. And I want to apologize and I want to fix this. And I want to fix it now. Because I don't like us being like this. Can we talk about whatever happened? And do your best to clear the air. Can I tell you what? If you go with that kind of heart and you lead that conversation, let me let you in a little secret. Whether the relationship is mended or not, whether they forgive you or not, whether they release you or not, whether you're reconciled or not, let me tell you what, you can walk out of that meeting and get back in your car and go, Lord, you know and you saw and you are my witness. I tried my best honestly to fix that and deal with that. And whether it worked or it didn't, Lord, before you, my hands are clean, my heart is clean, I've done my best. Now, Lord, I entrust them to you. I pray that in time they will move on and they'll be able to, maybe we can re-engage this thing and we can fix it. But, Lord, as far as depends on me, I am seeking to live at peace with this person. You know what? You can walk out of there with confidence in your heart and you can come before God and you can know, Lord, I've done my best to fix this. I've done my part. And that's all you're responsible for. And even if they don't let you off the hook, God lets you off the hook when you've done what you can do on your side of the fence. And then what do you do? What if they're still all in a rip it? That's between them and God. That's not between them and you now. Their bitterness and unforgiveness is a sin, and they got to deal with that with, between them and the Lord. And you got to let them. Amen? Unforgiveness, bitterness, relational breaks, these can hinder our prayer life. They rob us of our confidence before God. Number seven, just before we go, lack of perseverance. Lack of perseverance. Not persevering. Giving up. This is a big hindrance in prayer. Giving up when we shouldn't be giving up. Follow those who through faith and patience, faith and endurance, faith and perseverance inherit the promises. You remember the story of the, of the, of the, of the widow uh, who comes before the unjust judge and she says, hear my case, avenge me of my adversary, my neighbor's done me wrong, I have no one else to go to, I need you to make him fix this, set this thing right. And he won't hear her case, he won't listen to her, and he sends her away, and she comes back, and she comes over and over and over, appealing her case. Finally, the Bible says, the unjust judge says, not that I fear God or regard man, but because this 
woman wears me out, I'm going to avenge her of her adversary. I'm going to hear her case. I'm going to give her what she's asking for just so she will leave me alone. That is an often misunderstood parable because we can walk away from that with the wrong impression. Some people have said, see, you just got to wear God out if you want to get your prayer answered. No, that's not the point. The point is not that God is like the judge in the story. The point is just the opposite. You know your heavenly father. He's nothing like the man in that story. He is fair and just. More than fair and just. He is kind and merciful. He is willing to hear us. He loves us. He will meet our needs. He will give us what we have to have to make it through life. And if an unjust, wicked man like that can be worn down through perseverance... Why wouldn't God's children, who have such a good, gracious father, persist in prayer when they know his heart and they know his character? Why would they give up on asking for what they need, knowing that he is as good and kind as he is? Why wouldn't hesitate to go ask a man like that for a favor, would you? No, no, no. Persevere in prayer. The Bible tells us that. Mm, Lord, help us. We have to persevere. Sometimes we must overcome in prayer. Sometimes the reason our prayer request is held up is not because God is resistant, but because there is a real enemy who's fighting us in prayer. We often forget the spiritual warfare component to praying. There is an enemy who wants to hold up your answers to prayer. But it's not God, it's the devil. But he is a very real adversary. And he really does oppose our prayers. Do you remember the story in the book of Daniel? Daniel is praying for 21 days, and after 21 days of laying the same request before God in prayer, God sends an angel, the angel breaks through and brings him his answer. And he says, I have fought with the prince of Persia for the last 21 days, and God sent the archangel Michael to open up a way for me so I could get to you and bring you your answer. What Daniel didn't know is that he wasn't trying to convince a reluctant God. He was pounding on the head of a resistant devil. That's what he was doing. I don't know about you, that makes me want to pray more, amen? I'm not trying to wear God down, I'm getting to beat the devil up. And every day that it doesn't happen and I pray, that's one more lick upside the devil's head, amen? I'm just going to keep on hitting him in prayer until I knock him out of the way and my answer can come on through. We wrestle! Against these principalities and powers. Where do we wrestle? On our knees in prayer. We fight these things. Our prayers are mighty. These are spiritual weapons that are able to pull down strongholds. If we'll pray. If we'll persist in prayer. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. But the Greek tense of those verbs means ask and and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Many of us pray, oh, well, they so it must not be God's will. That's not what the verse means. The verse means to beat on the door and keep beating until it flies open. <laughs> That's what our prayers are to be like. Someone persistent at the door. Amen? Amen. That we're called to persist in prayer. Pastor, when do you give up? When do you stop praying about something? Well, if I'm praying for somebody's salvation, either when they get saved or when they die, amen? Amen. I just keep on plowing, keep on praying, keep on persevering in prayer for that. If it's something else, I keep on praying until God answers. Or sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, 
I need you to adjust your prayer, and there's something wrong here. I want to go a different direction. Why don't you pray this way? Thank you, Lord, for the guidance. I'm going to pray that way now. And that's what we do, and we pray. We pray watchfully. We watch the situation, and we look for any sign that something is changing and shifting. And that sign encourages us to press in and pray. And sometimes the sign is it gets worse instead of better. Do you rejoice in that? Yes, I do, because I know I've made the devil mad, and he's trying to reinforce his position. He feels the need to make it worse. Why? He's scared. He's scared of me on my knees. He's scared that God might hear me. He's scared that the promises are going to prevail. He knows what will happen if I stay at it. And when it gets worse instead of better, I know too. Mm. Don't let a setback cause you to give up. Make it cause you to press in. Bear down. Fight. You'll win if you fight. Fight. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Jesus has won. The devil is defeated. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers at the cross. Stand in the blood. Stand on the word. Claim the promises and continue believing God and praying in faith until something begins to shift and happen and you see God move on your behalf. And don't feel the pressure to let God off the hook. God's a big boy and he doesn't need me to defend him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand with me all over the house tonight. Two questions tonight as we close. Number one, is there anything on your side of the fence that is hindering your prayer life? Is there any one of these seven that the Holy Spirit bumped you about while we were talking about it that you need to deal with? Child of God, fix it. Deal with it. At least as much as depends on you. Deal with that tonight. Unrepentant sin, some relational break, some bitterness you're holding on to, whatever. Deal with that. Get this straight so that your prayers can be used mightily by God. But number two, what have you given up on in prayer? I feel the Holy Spirit. What have you given up on in prayer? What have you just about turned loose of? What have you almost written off and said, well, I'm never, I'm never going to get that one through? Well, with that attitude, you're right, you won't. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. Pastor, I have asked. Well, do what Jesus said. Ask and keep on asking. Because everyone who keeps on asking receives. I can't guarantee you he'll do it exactly like you want him to do it. But I can tell you something. If you'll keep pressing on it in prayer, God will do something about it. God will do something. God will move for you. It may not be exactly like you dreamed or imagined it, but God will show up for you. God will help. God will intervene. God will get involved in the arrangement. God will manifest his presence in the midst of it. And he will rescue you or he will give you the ability to bear up under it. Or he will open up some way for you to cope and manage. God will do something on your behalf if you will pray. But you know what? If I don't keep on praying about it, I'm not promised any help whatsoever. And I certainly don't want that to happen in my life. Amen? As I preached this morning, you may escape and you may endure. But the only ones who get the grace to help in the time of need are the ones who come before the throne of grace in prayer and ask for it. Oh, pastor, it's not big enough to ask for. If it's big enough to worry about, it is. What are you worrying about that you're not praying about tonight? 
That'd be my third question. (laughs) What is stewing in your heart that you haven't even brought before God in prayer? Fix that tonight. Fix that tonight. Chad's going to lead us in a closing song. I want to open the altar. If you need to come pray for a moment, you're invited to do that. If you want to pray where you stand or where you sit. But let's take a moment and offer this up to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, tonight I don't ever want to speak like this and not give people an opportunity to respond. And yet, Lord, I wouldn't embarrass anyone for the world. Lord, tonight, if there's, a, if there's something on our side that needs to be dealt with, I pray tonight that you'd speak to us. Holy Spirit, search our heart tonight. Show us if there's anything in us that's not right with God. Holy Spirit, we pray as David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, search us and show us. Lord, tonight I pray for some people in the room who who may need to leave this place and go work on some relationships or deal with some bitterness this week, that you'd give them the grace and the courage to do that. Lord, I pray today for those in the room who may have just given up on an issue, that, Lord, you would rekindle their faith, you'd reignite their heart, that you would, re, Lord, just re, re, revamp their hope tonight. Let them walk out of this place going, God, I'm going to believe you to move in this situation. And it may not look like I wanted it to, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and adjust my prayer, and I'm going to let you intervene for me. Lord, help us. And Lord, I pray tonight for the person here who has really not thought their issue was big enough to warrant prayer, that you'd help them to see tonight that you love them and you do not want them suffering with anxiety and worry and fear. Lord, your will for them is that they would have the peace of Christ and that the peace of God would guard their heart and the peace of Christ would rule their mind. Lord, I pray tonight that that would be true for them. And anything hindering that, they'd lay it at your feet in prayer and they'd trust you to do something about it. Lord, we offer up our heart. Help us to be men and women who persist and fight and push and prevail in prayer because we persevere to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Chad, lead us tonight. The altar's open if you need to pray. If not, we're going to go. Let's worship God before we go together. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.